harvest field now ripened, there's a work for all to do. Hark, the voice of God is calling to the harvest calling you. Does the place you're called to labor seem so small and little known? It is great if God is in it, and he'll not forget his own. Little is much when God is in it, labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you'll grow in Jesus' name. Are you laid aside for service, body worn from toil and care? You can still be in the battle, in the sacred place of prayer. Little is much when God is in it, labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it, if you'll go in Jesus' name. Ended, and our race on earth is done. He will say, if we are faithful, welcome home, my child, well done. What a day that will be, when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. What a day, glorious day that will be. That's glorious, isn't it? What a blessing. Thank you for that. I, I have been thoroughly blessed by the music this morning. My goodness. If you're not blessed, your blesser's broken. Maybe you ain't got a blesser there to bless. I hope so. So what a blessing. Thank you for that. I was thinking of the, the, the songs that we sang this morning. And uh, be thou my vision. That's a great way to start this year, isn't it? Let him be our vision for 2015. And then the scriptures, uh, Brother Rankin, you got one of the verses that uh, my wife gave to me in Psalm 143, verse 8. And I hadn't read all the context of it, but boy, that was a great verses this morning, wasn't it? And my verses cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift my soul unto thee. And I tell you what, when I wake up in the morning, that's a good verse to quote. And I thank the Lord for God helping us to see that this morning and let His will be done. Let Him guide us. Let Him have His control in 2015. 2014's over. And you're in church this morning. Praise God for that. You're starting the year out right. Now, there's two ways to look at this. You have not been to church since last year. Or, you have not missed church this year. Amen to that? Now, that would be a good commitment, wouldn't it? I'm not going to miss church unless providentially hindered and you know, as the choir or as the ensemble sang about little as much when God is in it, but if we're infirmed, we can still pray. And I, I thought of our dear sister Rose this morning who, you know, she's almost blind. She's legally blind. And this morning she has pneumonia. And uh, we're praying for her and all. But yet she's a prayer warrior. May God help us to always keep doing whatever he would put in our, our path so we can accomplish what he has for us. 
well, we've made some commitments and I would like to, to get into this year and talking about what uh, we're going to do. But we'd like to look at some things from last Sunday's message. We talked about evaluation. We talked about setting plans and setting goals. And maybe some of you have already broken some of your commitments that uh, uh, you've made. You know, there's a difference between a resolution and a decision. A decision needs to be a stake driven down. An ultimatum in my life. Now, I, I, I nonchalantly uh, talk about losing weight. And you can tell that it has not been taken that serious over the years. And, but I made that commitment. You know, I'm not going to have decision. I was not going to have decisions yet. Not going to have sweets. You know, except my wife. She's sweet. Um, <laughs> And uh, then we go over to the Johnson's house on Friday night and played some games. And she brought out this uh, corn that's got uh, caramel on it. Uh, they make it in Junction City, uh, Cosmos corn. And I said, get thee behind me, Carolyn. <laughs> Needless to say, I broke my commitment on sweets. Uh, I went to the next day, though, to work off my Cosmos corn. And, and uh, whenever, wherever sitting we're in, we need to make sure that we're the right kind of light. Isn't that correct? And to share the gospel and, and all. And I had an interesting discussion as I was there working out and getting ready for the day and things like that. I, I met a, uh, a Franciscan. He said he was a Franciscan. I says, well, are you a friar? You know, I wasn't thinking of chicken and that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, there is what's called a Franciscan friar. In my Catholic background, I remember that. And he says, oh, no, 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 I'm a third order. I says, what is a third order? He says, that's the non-religious type. <laughs> oh, and I said, well, I said, let me give you something that might help with that. So I gave him a track. Then I met a Chinese fellow there, and uh, he's been in, in Eugene for about 30 years, and we had a delightful conversation. And uh, he was just a skinny thing, though. And I says, man, I, I, man, look, you know, he says, yeah, you, uh, he says, you got a lot of muscle. That's how he started the conversation. I says, yeah, it takes a lot of muscle to move this fat. <laughs> and I says, well, you know, it must be in the genes. <laughs> he says, and he looked at me, and he says, yeah, you... You must have the genes of a Samoan. And I thought to myself, sumo wrestler. I said, I don't think that was a compliment. My wife and I went to, uh, a couple of years ago, we went to uh, uh, Men's Warehouse. And I was looking for a new suit. And, and we got in there and... Uh, the man, I said, I'm looking for a new sort. And he says, well, we have the portly section over here. Now, this is the advantage of not knowing those big words. I had no idea what he's talking about. Oh, good, good. My wife is back there laughing in hysterics. I said, what's the matter? She says, do you know what he just said? I said, that portly. She said, he just called you fat. Well, the trouble is, the portly section works out quite well. We need to be honest with ourselves. And so let me just reiterate some things that we talked about last week on evaluations. And I'll tell you what, my friends, we need to take this seriously. Evaluating where we are. Where am I? Where am I going? If you don't know where you are, how can you discover where to go? This is so important. We need to be honest with ourselves. And finding fault with others, I said this last week, will diminish our own progress. And it's so easy to say, look at so-and-so and look at this. And, you know, you look at the, the people in, in the news sections on our televisions and they, they, they talk about, you know, everybody else. But I'm going to tell you something. We need to be looking at ourselves and asking ourselves, what does God want me to do? And so being critical of others can diminish your progress. Get it? Also, if you're waiting for someone to tell you what to do can diminish your progress. We should be getting our marching orders from the Lord. Is that not correct? Yes, the Bible does say obey those that watch for your soul. Talking about the spiritual leaders in your life. 
But let me tell you something, whether the pastor says to do something or not to do something, we have an ultimate responsibility before God to do what He wants us to do. And I want to encourage you in this. I, I was reading in, in, in my devotions uh, uh, this morning, uh, we started reading through the Bible again. How many are reading through the Bible this year? Can I see your hands? All right. How many are using Bible Pathways? All right. Several. Man, I tell you, I am so thrilled with, uh, and, and some of you might have another way of going through your devotions. It might be reading Charles Stanley in Touch Magazine or, or Jesus Calling uh, Booklet or uh, Daily Bread or Day of Discovery or whatever it might be. But I'm going to tell you what, is a healthy way to live is to be in God's Word. You won't know how sick you are unless you're in God's Word. And you won't know the remedy unless you discover God's remedy. So I encourage you to be in God's Word. So I, I've uh, starting Genesis again, and I like to be a little ahead of the game. And so I, I started uh, in December a little bit because I like to see what's coming up uh, sooner than it gets here. Usually that's, that's a, a blessing. It's also a curse because sometimes God says you need to have some patience. But I, I was reading this morning in Genesis 35. Genesis 35. In verse 1, it says, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel. What does Bethel mean? House of God. By the way, we are living in, or our church is in the Bethel area. Bethel, we are in the house of God area. I wish Bethel knew that, huh? I don't know whoever discovered. I'd be a good Google search, uh, Brother Bruce, to find out what is, uh, who, who named our area Bethel. Because it means the house of God. He says, Arise, go to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God, and appear unto thee when the, uh, that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Who is telling Jacob to do this? God is. God is giving him an order. And then verse 2 says, uh, Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. So Jacob gets this order from God. We're going to the house of God. We're going where God has asked us. And then he says this, put away your strange gods that are among you and clean and change your garments. Verse uh, three says, and let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make thee an altar unto God who answers me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. This morning as I was reading Bible Pathways and it, it always has some just some treasures in there. And, and you know, I've read this before, Dave, uh, uh, Jacob going back to Bethel and everything and, and all, but in verse 2, it says, you, you, need to, you need to clean up your house. You need to put away your gods. You need to change your garments. And Bible Pathways brought this out in their discussion this morning. Uh, what is the chapter before chapter 35? 34. You know, Brother Chuck, we have a very intelligent church here, don't we? And if you read in chapter 34 what is taking place, you discover why Jacob comes and tells his family to do this. God had told Jacob to get up from, uh, I, I think it's from Laban, uh, and he got his wives and his, his stocks and everything else, and he's, he's going back, and he's supposed to go back. And as he's going back, he settles in Shechem. And as he settles there and second, it talks about him setting up his tent. And it sounds like, boy, they, they have really gotten comfortable here. And they don't realize what's happening. Because as Jacob's family begins to mingle with Shechem's family, you see worldliness and poor decisions coming in to such a place that God tells them you need to leave there and you need to go to Bethel. And Jacob realizes, listen, we better clean our act up before we go to Bethel. Wow. And you know what poor decisions they made. They gotten so familiar. They gotten so taken in what was going on. Remember what happened to uh, Diane? She was raped by Shechem. And then the brothers Simeon and Levi 
went in there and slaughtered all the men of that city. They'd gotten so far away. Listen, they didn't even realize how comfortable they had gotten into the world. And God says, it's time to move. And we need to listen to God in the same way. We need to discover and be honest with ourselves if there are things in our lives that are holding us back from being what God wants us to be. Amen? It's all right to say amen here at Westside Baptist Church. I hope you will. Your decisions today affect your tomorrow. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. I said last week in Philippians chapter 3, as David Jeremiah brought out four wonderful points of that passage, we ought not to be willing just to compete. God wants us to move our lives forward for His glory. Amen to that? Well, we're getting one more. Alice in Wonderland. Now, yeah, I know it. I don't know. Is that that's a bedtime story? I, I is it is it a drug story? Someone told me that it was a drug story. I don't know. I hope not. Anyways, but Alice was going on, and one day she came to a fork in the road. Which road should I take? She asked the cat. The cat replied, where do you want to go, said the cat. Alice said, I don't know. Then the cat said, then it doesn't matter. If you don't know where you want to go, your decisions won't take you in the right place. Ask God what he has for you. If you shoot at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Remember these things I talked about last, last week? And then last week I asked, how many of us did, did the best that we could last year? And how many could have done better? And I dare say that most of our hands went up last week, wasn't it? And Jerry came up to me afterwards and he told me a story of what he had seen on uh, PBS. It was a story of Admiral Rickmeyer. Is that right? Rickover. Admiral Rickover, he is the father of the nuclear energy that came into the Navy. He, uh, he, uh, he built the first nuclear sub, the Nautilus. And as he was developing his team, the Navy did not want this to, uh, to, to happen, but Rickover was a very unique and persuasive man. And so he wants to develop his team. Who is going to be on his team to take the Navy into the nuclear age? And he had a very unique way of interviewing people. Before he brought people into the interview, he sawed off one leg on the chair. So if a person got a little nervous, it would show. We brought in this one, I think it was a lieutenant. He came in, he sat down, and Rick Over said, he says, I see that you're in psychology. Why should I have somebody in psychology on my team? He says, I'm going to give you 10 seconds to make me mad. This lieutenant is sitting there before this admiral. What do I do? What do I do? And then Rick Over said, five, four, three, two. And the guy got up, and he took everything on Rick Over's desk and threw it off the desk. Rick over, looked over. He says, you're on my team. (laughs) (laughs) Then comes in this upstart from the Naval Academy named Jimmy Carter. He sits down there in front of Rick over. I don't think he had a clue what he was getting into. And Rick Over says, I only want the best on my team. He says, what place did you, uh, were you in the Naval Academy? He said, uh, Jimmy Carter said, 54 out of 900 and some. And Rick Over asked him this question. Did you do your best? Could you have done better? And Jimmy Carter said, no, I didn't do my best. I could have done better. And Rick Over looked at him. He says, then why didn't you? And Jimmy Carter did not have an answer. And Rick Over did not put him on the team at that time. Now, it's easy for us to raise our hands. Man, I didn't do my best. Why not? 
Is 2015 going to be the same way? Or are we going to put forth our effort and be what God wants us to be? You see what I'm saying? This is the challenge this morning. This is our, our theme this year under construction. And as we, we look through these, these passages and we ask God to help us. I am reminded of a passage in Matthew chapter 25. It is the story of the parables that Jesus tells about this, the master coming and giving five talents to one servant, two talents to another servant, and one talent to the third servant. Y'all remember that story? It's interesting as you read there in verse 14 of Matthew 25, it says that he gave to them his goods. His goods. What we need to understand that God has given to each and every one of us His goods, His time, His talents, His treasures. And we are to be good stewards of what God has given to us. Amen? Amen. Moreover, it is required in a steward that a man be found faithful. To the first man, he gave how many talents? Five. How many did that servant use? Five. Why doesn't the story say he used four? You see, what God gives to us to be faithful with it, we need to use them all. Right? Oh, you say five, four, that's 80%. At least I've been 80% well for the Lord. How about the other one? How many was he given? Two. How many did he use? Two. The Bible doesn't say he used one. The Bible says he used two. And then God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. God wants us to use everything that he's given to us, right or wrong. How about the one guy? One talent. What does he do with it? He buried it. He didn't use it. You read in Matthew chapter 25 at the end of this parable, and it it says, Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping And gnashing of teeth. Calls him a worthless servant. One talent. You say, man, I don't don't have... Listen, you've got his goods. And we're supposed to use whatever he gives to us. The Bible talks about another parable about the sower. And remember the good seed that fell upon the good soil and it produced a hundredfold? Some sixtyfold? Some thirtyfold? We might be in different stages of our lives or have different talents, but my friends, we ought not to be comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. For if God has given to you certain aspects of, of talents and treasures and giftedness, man, you're supposed to use 100% of it. The average Christian doesn't even know where they are nor where they're going. May God help us. His goods. And then I talked about our progress and the purpose of our progress. And if we don't have the right purpose in our progress, we're not going to be going in the right direction. If your progress is to better yourself for yourself, then you're heading in the wrong direction. I said last week about these self-help books. If we get so caught up, well, I, I want to lose weight so I can fit into my clothes. I don't have to buy more clothes. Or I, I, want to, I want to invest in an account so I have better retirement. Or I want to do well in my job so I can have a better uh, uh, pay scale. All of those are carnal desires. And those motivations might motivate us, but they're not motivating us properly. Our motivation needs to be in the Lord Jesus Christ and for His glory. And I'm going to tell you something, my friends. This is why the average Christian misses it because they're trying to improve themselves for themselves rather than for God's glory. This is key. I like uh, uh, setting captives free. I don't know 
Pastor Nathan, if you've ever gotten onto that website, but we had a lady in our church a few years ago who really struggled with smoking and wanted to give up smoking and everything. And you know smoking's bad for our health. We all understand that. Uh, by the way, marijuana's bad for your health too, and drinking's bad for your health, and uh, eating chocolate's bad for your health. And oh, uh, yeah. uh, eating Cosmos corn is good for your health though, right? It's, it's a vegetable. <laughs> so is chocolate. Yeah, I know. We all have our, our justifications, don't we? Where was I going with that? I don't know. Uh, what's that? Oh, setting captives free. Yes, yes, yes. Anyways, and in there, she says, I want to I want to give up smoking. And a lot of times we want it for better health and or, or finances. I mean, it's costly to smoke today and things like that. And, 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 and as she went into this site. She was able to quit smoking within the week. And there was a truth that was on that site com that helped her to understand. And it was the philosophy of setting captives free is you want, you want to do whatever and whatever those habits or whatever those addictions or whatever it might be, it's not about you. It's about His glory. And she understood, I want to be a better servant for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us and let us run the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. My motivation needs to be a higher motivation than myself. It needs to be God's glory. And so we come now to our theme this year. Under construction, and some of you went to the vision banquet, you saw this uh, on our display there and all, but you, you notice I added a little word there, still under construction. I am still under construction and so are you. And God is building his building. And I want you to turn now to Ephesians chapter two, as we get into this, this portion of scriptures. And uh, by the way, you're going to have to come back tonight to hear part two of this, all right? So we're only going to give you just a little bit of the, the introduction here and a little bit of the, 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 uh, the foundation of this message. And you're just going to have to come back tonight uh, and uh, to hear uh, the next part of it. But what the, his structure, what are we building? We are under construction. And I said uh, back in 2009, we must learn to build lives before we build buildings. We must learn to build lives before we learn to build buildings. That was said in 2009. And then we got into a building project and started uh, aggressively looking at this building project about 2011 and 2012. And then we purchased the property in 2013. And one of the, the themes and the messages that we've, we've tried to keep up before us is that this church is not about building buildings. It's about building lives. The building will just keep the rain off our heads. And praise God that we have a wonderful building that we're able to build. But we want to keep the main thing the main thing. And there are themes in the scriptures and, and God uses illustrations or natural things that we can understand to help us to understand the Christian life. The Bible talks about construction. The Bible talks about farmers. The Bible talks about athletes. The Bible talks about soldiers. The Bible talks about family. And as we understand those aspects, we can understand the spiritual aspects of those things. 30 years ago, I met an attorney as I was going to a meeting to speak at and and uh, he met me outside the door and he said, all oh, the religious people are here. And then he said this 30 years ago. He says, I'll be so glad when we redefine family. You know, the average person doesn't even know what a family is today. What is the family structure? May God help us. Because to understand a loving father in heaven and all these aspects of brothers and sisters and everything else that's a, a part of being a family in church. Here in Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about how do you get into that family and this structure. What are we building? We've got to be born again. We've got to make our peace with God. Verse 14, notice there, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14. It says, for he is our peace. Who is the he there. Who is the he? 
The Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our peace. He is the one with his death on the cross to, to that, that brought us to make peace with God. You accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You make peace with God. You say, I didn't know I had a problem with God. Well, the Bible says we have a big problem with God. The Bible says we're all sinners. And by the way, I was listening to uh, Charles Spurgeon this week. I think Gary uh, Corral gave me a message to listen to about ourselves, And he says... He took us to Isaiah, I think it's 64, where it says that all of our righteousness is putrefying rags. And he says this, he says, if all your good deeds, if all the good things that you do is putrefying hideous rags before a holy God, how do you think he views your sin? Wow. That's why Jesus Christ had to die on the cross. To make peace with God through His shed blood so that we can go to heaven. I hope you know Him today. If you do not know Him, if you've not put your faith and trust in Him and His, His deliverance into your soul's destiny, then my friend, today's the day of salvation. Accept Him before it's eternally too late. Someday you'll breathe your last breath and you'll be somewhere in eternity. You'll be somewhere in eternity. And as I read the Bible, there are two places, heaven or hell. People think they're pretty good, not according to God's standards. And the sin question has to be dealt with. Your sins have to be forgiven. They have to be removed. And the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There's no other name given amongst men whereby we must be saved, but through the name of Jesus, you must be born again. So he says here, and it's interesting as Paul is bringing to this wonderful church of Ephesus who he loved dearly. And by the way, he is in prison towards the end of his life now as he's writing back to this church. He is our peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, who hath made both one. You understand there's a context here. The context here is, yes, we have peace with God. But when he says both one, he is talking about Jews and Gentiles. The idea here that we become one in Christ. It's not the Jews and the Gentiles. We are then when we get saved, we are all part of one family. Isn't that exciting? There's no discrimination. Jews, Gentiles alike coming to salvation. The Jews had a problem with this. and They thought that they were. The cat's meow, only to discover they were following a system that Jesus Christ had done away with. The Old Testament was a picture of Jesus Christ, and he fulfilled the law. And Paul is bringing this out here. He says, made peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle walls of partition between us. There's kind of two stories going on here is, is that, that that separation of, of not only humanity, but, but the, the separation between man and God has been broken down. What he's talking about here is the temple. And he, it's interesting as he's laying down some of this ideas here, he's going to go into this, this temple as us being the temple of the New Testament, not an Old Testament system, but a New Testament system. And he talks about this temple and there's the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place. And what separated the Holy of Holies was a curtain. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, God ripped the curtain from top to bottom and opened the way to have access to a holy God through Jesus Christ. Do you know him today? Paul is reminding the Ephesian church of this. He says, having then, verse 15, abolished in his flesh, Jesus Christ's flesh, this enmity... Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. In other words, you cannot be saved by your rituals, by your sacraments, by your good works contained in these ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man. So making peace. That's what being born again is. You're born a brand new person. Isn't that right, River? Brand new person. My sins have been washed away. And I am a new being in Christ. And there's a hunger. And there's a thirst to discover more about Him. Isn't that right, River? 
Oh. Being made this new person. Have you been born again? Not of corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible seed of the Lord Jesus Christ. Inviting Christ into your heart, putting your faith and trust in Him. No other way. He will set you free. He will give deliverance from the power of sin. He will give deliverance from the penalty of sin. And He will someday give you the deliverance from the presence of sin. And you'll be able to spend all of eternity in heaven. Praise God for that. He says in verse 16, And that He might reconcile, make it right, both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, to be made right with God because of Jesus Christ. Verse 17, And came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh, talking about Jews and Gentiles here, the idea, and truly our relationship to God afar off, coming, being brought near, being brought into the kingdom. He goes on to say, for through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. I don't have to go through a priest. I don't have to go through a church. I go through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our mediator. And now the Bible says that we can have boldness as we come before the loving, holy, just Father of heaven and bring our request unto Him because He's my daddy and I now am His child. That is a great relationship. Amen? I hope you know Him this morning. If you don't, try to put your faith and trust in Him this day. And then in verse 19, now therefore, I always like these now therefores, don't you? And this, this is now our theme verse, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. So to understand the thou, now therefore, listen, we have Jesus Christ. We have access to God. We have been born again. That's established. Now, we ask ourselves, what are we building and it is fascinating as you read these passages to understand what we are building in our lives. Now, therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. You need to see yourself as a fellow citizen of the saints and in the household of God. You know, I can live my life proudly and boldly because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And when I use that word proudly, I'm not using it arrogantly or in the wrong sense. But I am God's child and I am proud to be born again. It's not something to be ashamed of. This world needs me to tell them about Jesus Christ. We are fellow citizens. And are built upon what? A foundation. That foundation has been laid by the apostles. It's been given to us by the prophets. Jesus Christ, He's the chief cornerstone. The foundation. Do you have the foundation of eternal life? It's Jesus Christ. And I want you to turn back, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. When I see this word foundation, I'm always reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I begin to understand that what we are building is a habitation of a holy God. If we have a foundation, we are to be building on top of that foundation. Notice what it says here in verse 9. This is, this is interesting, the way Paul writes this to the Corinthian church. Was the Corinthian church a spiritual church or a carnal church? Carnal, divisions, strife, struggles. He says, for we are labors together. Labors together. It comes from a Greek word, which is kind of a buzzword today that is used in our business world. 
This Greek word is sunergos. Sunergos. Which today's word is synergism. How many have heard of the word synergism? Synergism is the idea that one plus one equals greater than the sum of the whole. And he uses this word here. He says we are laborers together as we band together, as we join together for the cause of Christ. Our strength together is greater than us walking individually out there. That's the strength of the church. Synergism. But notice what else he says. We are laborers together. What? What does it say? With God. Now, guess who's on our team? Aren't you glad to have God on your team? Our one plus one plus Him? My goodness! What the church could do if they work and labor together. But what happens in the church is, I don't like that guy. He's, he's not as handsome as me. She's not as gifted as I am. And we, we start comparing ourselves amongst ourselves or finding fault and struggle. Boy, Betty, it's good to see you here this morning. I, man, if I keep coming back here, I get to see who's at church this morning. My, my bifocals work better on that. I'm glad you're feeling better too. That's the way we need to be in church. Building up one another. Encouraging one another. Isn't that right, Thelma? Oh. Paul is writing now to this carnal church who were bickering about their spiritual giftedness. And who's doing what in the church. And what's happening instead of binding together. Man, this is so important that we don't let the devil come in and break up the synergism. Now notice what verse, he says, you are God's husbandry. That's the idea of a, being a farmer. That's the theme of a farmer. You are God's building. You are God's building. Yes, we have a picture of a beautiful church that someday we're going to get into that. But God is saying, that's not the building of God. You are the building of God. What are we building? We're building a building for God. Us, our lives. Remember I talked earlier about the motivation? If my motivation is to build up my bank account, build up my retirement, build up my, 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 it's His goods. It's His life. It's His time. And what I am building is not my own self. I am building a building for the holy habitation of a living God. You've got to catch that. I've got to catch that. You got to come back tonight to catch all of it. And then probably in three weeks we'll catch the next part of it. I like it when the sermons stretch out enough to where we get a soak of it and we get to absorb it and we get to meditate on it. What I'm, why I'm giving this today is because this is the first Sunday of 2015. This is our theme. Under construction. Or if you want to say, God, I'm still under construction. And praise the Lord with that. Notice what he says in verse 10. According to the grace, that's divine enablement. And this is, this is a part of this passage that we cannot lay aside. Tonight I'll talk about the strength. According to the divine enablement of God, which is given unto me. I'm not out there by myself. I have synergism with God Almighty. As a wise master builder, I have... Laid the foundation. Uh, Paul is saying, I've laid the foundation for people there. He's given them Jesus Christ. The Corinthian church, uh, their church was established by Paul on his second missionary journey, I believe. He says, I've laid the foundation. Another builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds. Now, I underlined that and I bolded that in my notes. Take heed. What does it mean to take heed? Pay attention. Da, 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 da. Whoa! Fell off a cliff. Would you have felt it might be better to watch where you're walking before you fall off a cliff? 
If you knew that if you opened up door number one, there was a hand grenade in there going off, would you say, you know what, I better take heed. I need to pay attention to what's happening. Some people, just like Jacob, gets into the the norm of life, worldliness, and thinking, well, this is just okay. I'm going to tell you something. You don't know that death might be lying at the door. If you're walking through the woods and and my grandma's property, my mother, when she was a little girl, got caught in quicksand. Her daddy rescued her just at the very end by pulling her out by her hair. When she told me that story, every time I go into that woods as a little youngster, I would look around for quicksand. The Bible says, take heed. Take heed. Pay attention. Don't be nonchalant about this in 2015. Let's give him our best and let's pay attention. He says, because we are building upon this foundation. Notice what he goes on. And he says, verse 11, other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. All right, you've got the foundation. You've been born again. You've been saved. You've got it. Now, verse 12, now. If any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall declare it. shall uh, reveal every man's work of what sort it is. You and I who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, someday we are going to stand before the Bema seat and we're going to give an account of the five talents that He's given us, of the two talents He's given to us, of the one talent that He's given to us. And it is going to be declared of what sort it is. I need to pay attention. Well, I might be doing what the preacher's doing. Well, it'll be declared someday whether the preacher was doing right or wrong. It'll be declared whether you're doing right or wrong. And then notice what else he says. And he says, every man's work shall be tried by fire. Listen, he sets the judgment here. He's going to establish the criteria for which is going to be judging these works that we've accomplished. And he says, if any man's work abides which he built thereon, He shall receive what? A reward. Now, when God gives you a reward, it's going to be a good one. Amen to that. Now, I want to sort out something right quickly here. There's a difference between rewards for the works that you do and the salvation that you receive as a gift. Everybody understands the difference? I'm going to heaven because it is a gift from God. For God so loved the world. Uh, We are saved by grace and that's not of ourselves. I am given eternal life because of Jesus Christ. It is a free gift. But a reward is based on what we do and how we build after we got the foundation. I call it God's layaway plan. We are storing up. The Bible says treasure up. And I'm telling you what, Brother Phil, that's what... That's what Matthew's all about when Jesus Christ gives the, the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about people doing their works to be seen of men versus doing things because you love God. It doesn't matter whether anybody sees it or not. I'm going to do what's right because God wants me to do it. That, by the way, is gold. Silver, precious stone. We can do things that are right the wrong way. And it becomes wood, hay, and stubble. Remember I talked about the key? Our motivation. The love of God. I want to glorify Him. I want to please Him. That's where we need to be in 2015. Nothing else matters but my God's glory. For He loved me so much. And I love this passage because it's so fascinating that what you discover here is when you get the foundation, you can't lose the foundation. 
That's really an exciting part of this passage because you notice what verse 15 says. Read it with me uh, there in verse 15. It says, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. He's going to suffer the loss of what he could have had for eternity in the rewards that God in his love would give to us. That the Bible says, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. He will suffer the loss. And I'm going to tell you something, that loss, when we go into heaven, we'll sense that pain. The Bible talks about him wiping away the tears in heaven. I don't want to suffer loss. I don't want the things that I do to come to naught. If I'm going to serve the Lord, I better serve the Lord with the right motive. The right heart. And if He wants me to do this and I'm doing this, then I'm missing what He has over here for me, right or wrong. Hello. I know it's 5 after 12. Your brain shut off at 12. Don't do that. But I love this part, and we don't want to miss this part. It says he's going to suffer loss, not the loss of the foundation. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I I think this is a beautiful picture here. Have you ever seen a house that had burned down? I remember coming upon these scenes sometimes in trail uh, walking or uh, some, sometimes if you go up to Junction City and everything, the, the, the place burns down. And, and I've been at places where it's burned down. What's left? If it's a good foundation, the foundation is left. He says you'll be saved yet so as by fire. The fire will burn up all the religiosity, all the whitewashedness and everything else. But there's a foundation. And if you have Jesus Christ, the Bible says you will be saved. So praise God for that. Father, I pray that you'll help us now in the conclusions of this message that you would continue to to work in our hearts. And Lord, give us, give us. Lord, not a so-so Christianity. Don't give us just a, a lukewarmness. Give us a passion, Lord. For souls to be saved. For things that you'd have us to do. And I'd have to admit to myself, the reason I didn't do the best last year as I could is because of my own selfishness. God, help us to put self on the altar and let your love flow through our lives this year. Help us to have a greater burden for souls. Help us to have a direction that is, we know which fork to take in the road because we know where we're going. When the devil offers us an apple, we know to say no because we have a direction. When things come on the internet or television and it's not glorifying to thee, we have a decision. We've put a stake down and we've made a decision. We have decided To follow Jesus. So heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And let me just give this invitation. If you're not sure you have that foundation, then why not today get that foundation in your life? Ever wonder why maybe your life is up and down and you're struggling? Get that foundation of Jesus Christ. Invite Him into your heart and say, Oh God, I know I'm a sinner. If all of my good deeds are just filthy rags... Oh, what would my sins be in the eyes of a holy God? And you begin to see that and you begin to understand that enmity. You begin to understand the fear of God. You begin to understand the holiness of God. Then you cry out to Him and say, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save my soul. And praise God. He says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why don't you do it right now? Why don't you do it right now? Come into my heart, oh God, and save me. This invitation will be open for those who would like to invite Christ in. The invitation is never closed here at Westside Baptist. You could visit with us afterwards, but I want to encourage you to invite Jesus Christ into your heart right now. Come into my heart. Give me a foundation for eternity. Jesus Christ. No other foundation.
And then to those who have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've already done that. What are we going to build in 2015? Are we going to get distracted? Are we going to get off course? Are we going to allow the synergism of God to work in our lives to build for His glory? May God help us with that. Lord, these decisions we bring before You. Right now, Lord, we need to lay our lives on this altar and we need to decide that 2015 is going to matter for You. We're going to put some stakes down, unalterable directions. We know the decisions that we're going to make before the question is even asked. Because you are our guide. Now help our folks. Oh God, help us to decide for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The invitation is I have decided to follow Jesus. Have we? Have we decided to follow Jesus in all five areas of our lives? Four areas of our lives, two areas of our life, one area of our life? I have decided to follow Jesus. If you don't have that foundation of Jesus Christ in your life, make sure you invite Him before you leave today. This invitation is open. I encourage folks to come kneel here at this front pew or on the altar up here in the front and say, God, I want you to have my life in 2015. It's not about me. It's about your glory. God, guide me. Help me. I thank the Lord. Every day I pray, God, Will you protect me from evil? Because evil's out there. It's lurking, isn't it? Take heed. There's folks sitting right here. If you will not take heed, you will not finish 2015 well. You need to make a right decision. Don't play around with that decision anymore. If God's speaking in your heart, that's the creator of the universe that's speaking to us. Let's stand together. Let's sing it together as the words are up on the screen. I have decided. I'd like to encourage you as we have an altar call as we have an altar call we need to be obedient to the Lord amen I don't take this lightly how about you when he says to take heed I want to take heed and I tell you what the trouble with an average Christian today is they're not willing to get on their knees and say God what do you want me to do And if we don't take seriously this message this morning, we'll waste 2015. Right or wrong? Man, the Word of God is so wonderful, isn't it? Woo! Hey, we just started this. You've got to come back tonight. We're going to talk about the strength that God gives to us. You see, sometimes we don't make decisions. I I, I don't know if I can do it. Listen, I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthened me. Tonight we're going to talk about the engine that God gives us. Amen to that. The encouragement. The uh, five E's tonight, all right? So 
Can't remember them all right now. I don't have my notes in front of me, but you come back tonight at 6. God bless you. We have somebody that's made it's a great decision. They've decided to join Westside Baptist Church. John and Carmen Harmon. Amen. They're in our first service. I said, the, and they were in our first service, and I said, listen, you need to get to know these folks, hug on them, uh, just love on them, and uh, uh, just uh, be a part of their lives as they now are part of our family here at Westside Baptist Church. If there are other decisions that you'd like to make, please do not leave without making those decisions for God's glory. And there are sign-up lists there in the back for different things that are taking place. We made those announcements. The bulletin talks about it. Please avail yourself to those things. God bless you. You're dismissed.